You ever hear the name Satchel Page? Uh, yeah. Well, he came out for one summer. He was here in Portland for about a month or two playing. Mm-hmm. He'd bring him and he'd get him a rocking chair and he'd be in the bullpen. And he'd just be rocking <laughs> in the rocking chair until about the seventh inning. And they said, come on in. Two fans, one mission to bring Major League Baseball to Oregon. Powered by the Portland Gear Store and Guardian Games. This is the Diamonds and Roses podcast. And without further ado, your hosts, Ben and David. I'm Ben. And I'm Dave. And welcome to the Diamonds and Roses podcast. What's going on, Dave? Hey, nothing much. I'm excited about today. I am too. We're, we're back and ready for another great episode. Uh, who do you got going on today, Dave? Well, we've got a, we got a huge influence on local baseball uh, in the Portland area going back to the 70s. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for this episode. I am too, Dave. And uh, we want to introduce our great guest today, Mr. Ger- Jerry Gatto. Greetings. Thanks for having me, guys. This is it's a fun time. Anytime you have a chance to talk about baseball, past, present, and future, and uh, you guys are doing a great job making that information available. So anything we can do to add to the cause, more than uh, willing to do. We appreciate you taking the time. Yes, thank you for uh, taking the time uh, to be with us today. We're here in your lovely residence, and uh, thank you for inviting us over. <laughs> I mean, you got a wonderful house. We live, you and I, we live in a great community. So, well, it is good. My wife just sends me up here, as I told you earlier, and locks the door. And if I'm a good boy, I get out by five. <laughs> <laughs> Happens to be too. I get it. You, I get you know it. the game. I know the game. But you're my age. <laughs> She send you up with food? Uh, yeah, maybe once a day. Once a day. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so coach, right. let's let's yeah. dive right on into this. Um, so my first question that I that I have for you is, um, you know, what's what's your earliest known recollection of baseball in, in your life specifically? Here in Portland, a uh, small community at the time, baseball was very big. Triple A baseball in town, semi pro baseball. In almost every community, I would go to games. Uh, Portland Beavers were a AAA baseball team. On opening day, you brought a note from home to your teacher, and uh, and if you get one from mom or dad, you kind of came up with a note. <laughs> Magically. You caught a bus, and you went down to opening day mm-hmm. at Vaughn Street Ballpark yep. in North Portland, and it was, it was great. It was, it was a great. So my interest was there. Uh, my background, my family, my neighborhood, a lot of baseball players here. Uh, a lot of baseball was played in that community, so that's what I did every day. I played football through high school, but I broke my leg, and that was the end of that. I thought I was six four instead of five <laughs> ten. That took care of that one. But I, but baseball was an avenue here, and it was very strong, and that was the influence. That's what you did. That's yeah, what you did. Yeah, Dave and I did a recent episode on Vaughn Street Stadium, and uh, you having been there, uh, we were, you know, looking at this history and, and seeing that, okay, well, they had the old wooden bleachers there, and mm-hmm. and the, one of the things I remember is, is that they had, they talked about having a lot of, like, peanut wrap, like, crap, peanut shells, like, below the seeds, newspapers, and there was a lot of fires there from, <laughs> from things. Or you started them just to keep warm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but we had it was there. But there was the Pacific Coast League. You had some strong teams: the San Francisco Seals, yeah. mm-hmm. the DiMaggio brothers. They, they they took up the whole outfield. Joe DiMaggio, Dom. Dom. Mm-hmm. That was the outfield. The, the Seattle Rainiers. I can still name teams I haven't named in sixty years. Spokane, Thomas Sorter, former manager of the Los yeah. Angeles Dodgers. Yeah. 
Wow. He was in, he was the manager of Spokane. He was huh. a player of Spokane. Did not know that. Involved in one of the biggest fights there. He left the field one day, went up on the stands and beat up on a fan. Tommy Lasorda. <laughs> really? Tommy Lasorda. Oh, oh, I can go on and on. Oh, on my gosh. He, he used to come to Portland. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the name Pete Ward. Pete Ward put on these uh, clinics for 13 years. And he'd have celebrities, former major players mm-hmm. come to town. And Tom Lasorda would come to town and tell these stories in, in Portland. And he was a five-year-old Italian guy. And his son is... Um, Mike Piazza, I don't know if you've heard that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But there's a long history. But that's how we got interested. And we followed baseball. We'd go to games. We'd be on the field. We'd help out as a bat boy, those kinds of things. So that was fun. And then we went on uh, through some other endeavors after that as it happened. So did you, so in terms of, and so that was essentially elementary school, right? That was through elementary. Through elementary, then, yeah. Yeah, on high school. Uh, baseball was strong in the Portland Public Schools. Okay. It was probably the strongest league, one of the strongest two leagues in the state of Oregon. Okay. Household names that were coaches. Yeah. Uh, which I was so honored to replace one of them. But uh, very strong. I could still name every coach in the PIL, and that was in those days nine schools. Yeah. And I could name every one of them. So the tradition was here. The inner city was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids, uh, guys and gals were involved in sports. You yeah. were involved in sports. Yeah. Jefferson High School now probably only has 600 students. In those yeah. days, had 3,000 students. 3,000? Grant High School, 3,000 students. Wow. wow. Probably 75 to 85,000 students. 80, let's just say in the, close to 80,000 students went to Portland Public Schools. Now you're in the 50s probably. Wow. wow. That kind of thing because there's so much happening in the city right. and communities and tri-county areas wow. growing yeah. so much. with 40% decrease essentially. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's... Baseball is suffering a little bit today too. we got 600 less People playing, uh, students playing baseball this year hmm. over last year. 600 less in the state of Oregon, not just the PIL. Really? Less playing. There's a 1,000 less playing football. Why? Because of a lot of different reasons. There's other things to do, the commitment to do those mm-hmm. kinds of All things. Right. But in our day, to get back to your question, that's what we did. Yeah. We were involved in sports. You we were involved in an activity. You had great relationship with the other school. It was a competitive thing, uh, and that kept us motivated. Mm-hmm. That kept us interested. But if you go back and look at it, not the championships are the essence, uh, the essence of measuring success. That's how you got the involvement. And sixty-five to seventy-five percent of your students were involved in something, and baseball was right there at the very top. Yeah. Do you think that it had a lot to do with um, parents' interactions with with children at the time? Because you know nowadays. It's easy enough to have your TV in front of you and all these other electronics mm-hmm. readily available. But at the time, I mean, I know when I was growing up, it wasn't so readily yeah. available to me because I didn't. I, my family wasn't necessarily had a, had a lot of money or, at all by any means. So we really went spent a lot of time well, outdoors and doing things together. Yeah, well, yeah, in my time, even before that, in the late fifties, we go outside. We mm-hmm. play stickball. I lived across the street from a park, Powell Park on Southeast Powell mm-hmm. Boulevard. Well, that was like our backyard. We did those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I come home and do those kinds of things. You know, I had to take, a, as an Italian, I was forced to take Italian, uh, not forced to take Italian, forced to take accordion. My family said, you're going to take accordion lessons. <laughs> All the little Italian boys took accordion. <laughs> well, I, I, I took accordion. I had to do that before I did my homework when I got home. Well, 
my mother got real uh, upset with me because I'd open up the back window and jump out the window and go to the park (laughs) (laughs) and told my dad. And so that didn't go over real well. But yeah, those were things that you did in those kinds of days, you know, for activity involvement. But then you did your work and you went outside and you played and all the, we'd all gather because we all didn't go to the same school. I went to a Catholic grade school. And so we gathered with guys that lived in our neighborhood and we'd sit out there and play ball. In somebody's yard or on the street and those kinds of things. Weather. That was the common denominator. Even yeah. if the weather was questionable, you were out there. We were yeah. out. I mean, yeah. Regularly. I'd use my porch. as a, I'd get a tennis ball in my glove and go out and throw a ball against the, the porch. The ball would bounce back to me. I'd throw it back. And if it came back to me, that was an out. I had all these rules. Even if there was nobody outside, I played by myself. Yeah. Yeah, it's what helped develop my confidence, my skill, and my love of the game. You know what this reminds me of? Sandlot. Yeah. A little like, bit. Oh, but yeah. Yeah, the movie Sandlot. Yeah. 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 There are a lot Captures. of analogies in what we did. Yeah. And yeah. then in the summer, we'd go down every year because the Portland Beavers, they were a household name. Every Almost everybody in their roster lived here in town, not only during the season, off season. So, so the players were more accessible in terms of real life. On and beings. off the field. Oh, I got really? to know them. I got to oh, know wow. them well. And in the summer, they had big barbecues down by Seaside, Oregon okay. and uh, Gearhart. I'd go down there. And we played catch with them. Here I was, 13, 14 years old. We played catch really? out in the front of the yard with these AAA ball players, next major leaguers. Yeah. And I'd go watch them play. In a town, the Beavers were a big thing. And they'd bring some celebrities to town every once in a while. And I can remember, you ever hear the name Satchel Page? Yeah. Well, he'd come out for one summer. He was here in Portland for about a month or two playing. Mm-hmm. He'd bring and he'd get him a rocking chair and he'd be in the bullpen. And he'd just be rocking <laughs> in the rocking chair until about the seventh inning. And they said, come on in. <laughs> and he'd get on the mound, oh, a crazy satchel here, and he'd say, here it is, man. You just try to hit this thing now. I'm going to throw it in there real nice and soft. He's in his rocking chair up on the mound. No, no, not on the mound. No, the but bullpen. that's all. That's okay. where he sat by himself, down okay, in the gotcha. bullpen. Okay. Down in the bullpen. Okay. Wow. He was a legend. Yeah. And he smiled all the time before he threw you the pitch, and you got scared because why would he smile? Well, it was a smile of confidence, and yeah. who knows what he's going to do. But those are the days that you identified. You went to the park. You saw these guys from Seattle, Portland, Spokane, mm-hmm. San Francisco that were going to eventually be in the big leagues because the AAA baseball, the Pacific Coast League, as it was then called, was the closest thing to it. There were a couple other Pacific uh, AAA teams, but it was yeah. the closest thing it was to it. a high-percentage feeder at that point. Oh, yeah. I'll the show you pictures level. after we finished yeah. downstairs with Joe DiMaggio here in town. Wow. I got yeah. his personal, his autograph, Hank Aaron, and other things that were going on during those timelines. So you're out in the out in driveways, out in the park, playing baseball. Everybody, when they're young, say, I am Babe Ruth or mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, Mickey Mantle. You give or, yourself a name. You give yourself a name. Jared, who, yeah. who, who, what was your name? Joe Dimaggio. You're Joe Dimaggio. Yeah, I go what, the top. What was yeah. it, what was it about Joe that, you know, inspired you so much? Well, he was a 5-2 athlete. I mean, I mean, he could play. He loved the game. He played every mm-hmm. day. He could hit for average. He could field throw. You know, he, he did all the things. Hit for power. Yeah. Hit for average here. Durable, loved the game, played every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I love the way the guy played. You know, there there are other ball players that had legends that gave back to the game were very very important. The Yankees in Boston were always a team. You go downstairs and look at my library. Boston Red Sox today are still one of the better teams. New York Yankees are still one of the better teams. It's been like that for 50, 60 years. I know yeah. I like this guy for some reason. Yeah, big Boston fan, just Boston. like me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I am too. But in my day, it was it was Ted Williams. Yeah, uh, Johnny Pesky from Portland, Oregon. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Johnny Pesky went to Lincoln High School. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll show you a picture downstairs. I had him in town a year before he died at yeah. this convention I do. We're having an episode on him. Well, yeah. you got to go talk to his brother, who's 95 years old. Oh, oh we'll have to do that. He's we'll out in Beaverton, the Valley Senior Center. Yeah. Yeah. But those guys played during those times. Mm-hmm. And those were legends, and I knew those names. So when we played the game, we took, we took their namesake. Mm-hmm. We yeah. took their name and, yeah. we, and we tried to reflect on what they did, why they did it, and what we were going to do. And this is this is perfect because you bring up Johnny Pesky, you bring up you know Joe DiMaggio, you bring up Ted Williams. I mean, looking at doing some research on Johnny himself, it, it's like you're telling me the same exact story that that I read about Johnny and how he would go from his home, he would walk over to the park. Mm-hmm. You know, go watch the baseball. Be want to be part of Slab the Town. Team. Yeah, he's from Slab Town. So he was a Lincoln High kid. Yeah, he was from Slab Town. That was known in that part of town. That's yeah. where Jack Dunn is from. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, all those guys were from that area, but it was a reputation they had. Then there's the East Side. That's where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Every area had their own neighborhood, had their own identity. Yeah, and that's what you did every day. What they did in my neighborhood, they did in somebody else's neighborhood. Did the same thing. Mm-hmm. It was the common denominator. And wow. you had role models in those days. You had role models. Yeah. And players in the Pacific Coast League in those days, why did Johnny Pesky? Well, he lived within two or three miles of Bond Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but they stayed forever. Today, it's, a, it's just a breeding ground to go to the major leagues. Hopefully, you get that opportunity. In my day, they usually stayed for several years, and that's where they usually, not all, ended their careers. Ended their careers. So you got to know them mm-hmm. very very well. Mm-hmm. I could sit here today, 50 years later, and probably give you the open, the lineup. Wow. One That's through cool. nine. That's and cool. probably batting averages in some days. That's yeah. crazy. So tell me what it was like when you first time got up to bat uh, playing baseball. What what was going through your mind at that moment? Well, you know, it's a, it's a very uh, interesting question because I do remember that question. I can't remember a lot when you're my age, but I do remember that one. I was 10 years old. There were about six teams in the state of Oregon that had Little League. It was okay. just starting. I don't know. I don't think they call it Little League in my day. Mm-hmm. And I was on one of those teams. And we were playing a team from out of the area at Powell Park in southeast Portland. And all we had were jerseys. And the other team had full uniforms. Mm. But I was one of six, seven, eight teams that were playing in that area. And this older gentleman, uh, during the game, midday Saturday, comes up behind me. And he says, how come you don't have full uniform, son? And I said, I don't know, sir. We have this jersey and it says 20th Avenue Merchants. How come they have uniforms? And I says, I, I really don't know. I just like to play, play the game. And I went on. And I says, you just got to, I just try, I have fun. And I, I, I'm glad I'm playing on this team. And he stood and he, for about two minutes asked questions. The next day or two days later, I'm reading the sport page. And in those days, the Oregon was big and the Oregon Journal was big. And he devoted this whole article to this little young 10-year-old Italian, uh, to this boy, about that he visited at a local city ballpark. Cool. And he says he only had a jersey on. But to him, it wasn't. I bet I could find it someday downstairs. But he says it wasn't about his uniform. He loved the game. He played Mm -hmm. the game. The other team had a full uniform. We in the community need to support it. We businesses, small businesses, large businesses, or communities need to support them so they can have the same pride. He had pride because he had the inner desire to play the game mm-hmm. he loved. But uniforms enhance that, and that's the image he developed on that. I'll never forget that image. I'll never forget that story. Wow. That's, that's an amazing story. And not knowing 
you know, that person, but at that age, you know, as, as children, like my, I have a couple of my own, they're, they're just willing to talk about oh. everything and anything. And it's just to gate, have that engagement is He was a sports editor of the York going in the day. I didn't know who he was. I can still remember his name, Marlo Brannigan. Hmm. But he just, you know, he just happened to stop by because he saw some baseball and you, you didn't see a lot of youth leagues in those days. Right. And so it, it was a fun, fun option. That's mm-hmm. my first recollection. So I made sure that every year from 10 on, we played at different levels that were mm-hmm. here, you know, and, and that was fun until it gets to the high school level. Wow. And then what was your, what was your primary position while you're playing? Uh, infielder, but I played a lot of outfield as I got into my later high school years and college years, those kinds of years. You know, I probably wasn't the best offensive ball player, but I, I played, uh, my uniform was usually dirty before the umpire said play ball. There you go. And, you know, I loved to play defense and chase down a fly ball and steal an extra base. But I wasn't probably the most gifted kind of guy, but mm-hmm. I had such a passion for playing the game. You went out there and I have... A lot of my relatives played the game as well. I mean, right now there's a football player, baseball player, Jesuit. Um, my cousin who just passed away a year ago played for a coach Dunn at Cleveland High School and was an all-state catcher and a very talented one. I had another one that played professional baseball for a while. So our family tradition from and our different relatives, the game of baseball has had a strong influence on our life, and that's what got me into coaching. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's why I got into coaching after I got out of the service. Well, yeah, a lot of it. Did a lot of that have to do with some of the coaches you had, and, and you saw that not relationship. Really. Not really. No. no, no. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. It'd be a good story to tell you that right. my biggest influence was this coach I had. Not who, necessarily. Who? What was there? Is there one coach that you had growing up that had a? Well, when influence? I lived across the street from Jack Dunn, I always wanted to play yeah. for him. But my family says you're going to go to Central Catholic. Okay. And, and say, so, but I, he, he was probably one of the most respected coaches around. He mm-hmm. knew the game backwards and forwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I didn't have the opportunity. But I had a great high school experience. We won our league every year. We did mm-hmm. different things here. And there was a time some good ball players in this area. You probably, you remember the name Mickey Lolich? Oh yeah. You guys are yeah, good I, on the baseball. I know, I know Ron Lulich, too. Well, they all know yeah. my back. Well, Mickey doesn't live here anymore. Yeah. But Mick won 30 about games my time. Detroit, right? He won three games in one World Series. Yeah, three Very games in good. a World Series. Mickey Lulich. Yeah. Well, he, yeah. he went to a Catholic high school called okay. Columbia Prep. Uh-huh. His senior year, Columbia Prep closes. Oh, God. We okay. think we're going to get him to Central Catholic. Oh, oh my And gosh. we're already a good team. Right. We're yeah. a very good team. He decides to go to Lincoln. Oh, flavored Jack. And we play him in the quarterfinals or semifinals, and he beats us. He's bringing it. Yeah, Yeah, because we won our league. But there were several athletes like that in those days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. but Jack, And then Jack was at Cleveland. Jack played professional baseball in the minor league level, was a very good uh, athlete and uh, was in the service and and had a brother that also was in the service. And after professional baseball, I think he played in Salem, uh, started his coaching career. And eventually lands at Cleveland, yeah. where he was for 14 years. So did you, I, I know you went to uh, University of Portland. Mm-hmm. Now, was that post-high school or was that post-military service? Post-high school. Post-high school. It was a very good baseball school there yeah. for a while. Yeah, won the NC, got into the NCAA's freshman year. We weren't eligible in postseason, but played USC. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, and I won't tell you the final score of that one. <laughs> but we played. Yeah, it was great. Very important. He was a, a very good baseball school, and there were some good guys that went there. Joe Edsel, who University of Portland Baseball Field is named after today, yep. was a, a good pitcher. And they had some other athletes now. The announcer for the Mariners, um, 
Bill Kruger, who you see in post-game interviews on yeah. Seattle Mariners, yep. uh, was a first baseman there uh, and then ended up in professional baseball as a pitcher and pitched major leagues for mm-hmm. Open Athletics. And he was a Portland U graduate here. In our day, there were a lot of multi-sport athletes. You don't yeah. see them as much. You don't see them, which yeah, we'll get into later in terms of athletes that I yeah. coach. But uh, you don't see the multi-sport athlete. In my day, a lot of you, a lot of us played multi-sports. That's not very common anymore for a variety of reasons. Uh, injury, concussion, and other reasons here. Time, commitment, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. So it's not all related to injuries. Yeah. But there are a lot of reasons you don't see as much involvement. Yeah. So you, you graduate from University of Portland. Mm-hmm. Early uh, 60s. Early mm-hmm. 60s. Then you go on to Portland State where you earn a master's degree in That's counseling. after the service. After the service. Okay. After the service, I come back thanks to the GI Bill and, yep. and other reasons. And... Uh, I had a PE health major and American history minor, but I didn't want to teach PE health all day. I mm-hmm. wanted to have all this energy built after school to <laughs> coach, educate, get involved. In those days when you're 25, 26, I wanted to be involved with my athletes. I didn't want to just teach them and be very objective uh, verbally, but get out there with them. So I wanted to save my energy for after school. So I went and got my counseling. And coaches in those days, there weren't a lot of coaches that were counselors. No, I don't You know. taught a subject... And I want to get close to students in general and not just my student-athletes, but obviously student-athletes as well. I wanted to see that other aspect of life. I wanted to get into the classroom and, and, and talk about just psychology in general and human behavior mm-hmm. and how to be the best you can be. And then I just took that to the athletic fields. Probably in my time, I was one of the first to do that. When I got out of the service, you couldn't find a coaching job. I had to take a grade school job for a couple of years, the largest uh, African-American uh, black school in the city of Portland. And they said, Jerry, we have a job for you. And I said, where? And they said, they named the school. I said, well, I, I want to be a high school coach. She says, no, if you can make it here, you're going to make it anywhere. The student mm-hmm. just got rid of the teacher. I said, the student <laughs> just got rid of the teacher? Yes. Paying your dues. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm getting out of the service at 24, 25 years old. And I'm taking this job and I'm teaching nine classes a day. And I'm going at seven in the morning. And I'm staying until 10 at night because of their family and backgrounds and lack of, in many cases, parental guidance. Mm-hmm. And I coached every sport, football, basketball, track and field. They were really into baseball a lot. And I taught all of those. I got federal, we got federal money in that area. We called it combat pay. <laughs> we called it combat pay if you made it there. And this is in the 60s? Yeah. This is, and you got an extra $1,000. Yes. You got an extra $1,000 if you lasted there more than one year. Incentivizing. And I taught nine classes. And I had wow. lesson plans. And then you stood up. You did that. You trained. Uh, we got locker rooms. You dressed down. You took showers. We had track meets. I wanted to get them out of the neighborhood. I didn't. I wasn't a track guy. I wasn't a track guy, but every week I'd have these all-comer track meets. We would go to a different neighborhood, southeast Portland, north Portland, you know, every yeah. Give and them some context. Give yeah, them some and, we, and we'd yeah. have track meets. And I, this guy from Minnesota and I were a part of this team, and he had a track background. I was the promoter. And we'd run a track event, and if you finished first, second, or third in your event, guy or gal, at the end of the year, we had a city championship. And we had it at Jefferson High School, and we brought all of them truly integrated the community and we integrated him and brought him back to Jefferson High School mm-hmm. and we had a final city championship. And these were 13, 14 year olds, right? And that's um, a big challenge. It was a big... In the 1960s, that's a huge endeavor. It was a big thing. Yeah. But I taught these classes and you had to get them involved in, in different things and we had championships and I'll never forget the district athletic director who headed up all nine schools. I want to be a high school coach and after three years I thought I was doing a pretty good job and he calls me and he says, Jerry, we have a head job for you. I says, you do? 
He says, I says, where? He says, Lincoln High School. I says, I don't think the baseball coach is leaving there. He says, I didn't say you're going to be the baseball coach. You're going there as the track coach. <laughs> <laughs> I says, that's not what I wanted. Dude. I can teach the javelin a little bit. That's about <laughs> oh, no. He says, well, you can promote anything. You got everybody in the city, grade school, doing these things here. I says, he says, no. He says, just coach it for you. I says, I really don't. I'd rather stay at Boise until something happens here. Yeah. Until something happens here. But my first offer was to be the head track coach at PIO <laughs> School Lincoln High School. He made himself a little fighting position and yeah. throwing grenades. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it was amazing. <laughs> But we did that at Boise, and then finally, after five years, uh, Jack Dunn decides to leave and go to Wilson, right? Mm-hmm. And the coach at Jefferson had won a state championship as well. His name was Andy Pianovi, a household name. He won a state championship. He had a pitcher, Terry Baker, Heisman oh, Award winner. Yeah, Oregon State. Yeah, he sure. was a the pitcher on his team. Wow. He had a lot of other guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jefferson was the school in all sports. Yeah, but oh won- yeah, in the 60s and 70s, absolutely. But he won a state championship. And Terry Baker, Heisman Award winner. Yeah. Quarterback, right? Oregon you with State, me on the yeah. history now? Oregon State, you ready? yeah. Was he a, a right-handed quarterback or a left-handed quarterback? I have no idea. He was a left-handed quarterback. He was on the basketball t- a team coached by Slats Gill, of which the gym is named after. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My daughter's a, down there right now. He was a left-handed shooting guard. So what have I told you so far? Left-handed, left-handed. Left-handed, left-handed. In baseball, he, was right-handed. he led the state championship Jefferson High School team as a pitcher. He was right-handed. Wow. And the only Crazy. reason that happened is because his, one of his relatives one day brought him home a glove from Peninsula Park. Yeah. And it was a right-handed Board. glove. Yeah. He put it on here. He became a right-handed pitcher. Three wow. sport, three sport athlete, a, three, Legend, a multi-sport yeah. athlete. I, I, Terry Baker. Yeah. I'm, it's hard for me to throw like left-handed. I mean, I'm right-handed, but I mean, tried throwing. But that's that's a feat within itself. But done. they were legends. I mean, these were great guys. They yeah. were multi-sport athletes. You got to know them. One mm-hmm. of my, we'll get into the college aspect. You know, one of my athletes in college was just inducted into the Nat, the Hall of Fame, and the Oregon Total Sports Hall of Fame. And Sports Illustrated did a 13-page story on him. Hail and farewell, the three-sport athlete Dan Jones. What is his name? Mm-hmm. A three seven student, but hail and farewell. And his best sport they didn't have in high school or college hockey. He could have signed a professional hockey. Lettered in six varsity sports. That's wow, cool. three seven student. Yeah, but he came. I got to know him because I coached at another rival school. And he says, "I said, where are you going to go to school, Danny?" And he says, "Well, I don't know. I, I want to play all sports. Well, D one, you didn't get a great opportunity." And so I opened the door for him a little bit at Lewis and Clark, and he went there. And by his junior year, I was hired there. That's awesome. Yeah, wow. Jordan Kent's the last one I heard. Jordan Kent. For a couple of years, he played for his daddy. Yeah, basketball, football, and track. Yeah. 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 Amazing. You, you don't know. How many can you name? That's it. I don't Probably on one hand, you could name the yeah, multi-sport crazy. athlete. Schools in this community. Now, you know, this Westland isn't the only one. Lake Oswego is another one. I'm very close with coaches. But you see a lot of multi-sport types of people here. Mm-hmm. You know, there's two athletes right now at Stanford University that two years ago played at Westland High School. Yeah. Multi-sport athletes. Yeah, they Matheson and Tawa. Yeah. Will Ta- yeah, he and my grandson are very, very close. Cool. And Tim Tawa. And there's, you know, they were multi-sport athletes. Yeah. But there were several on the roster that did those kinds of things. You just, it's not common anymore. It's yeah. not as common anymore. Wow. It's a shame. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. That's, wow, that's really impressive. I mean, I think that a lot of kids these days is they, they tend to like focus in on one specific sport 
once they hit that high school level and they're really like maybe being pushed to spend most of their time that's a whole like different conversation it. and it's yeah. like you got fall baseball now and you got you know you got spring club ball. baseball yeah yeah you got club you yeah. baseball you got all these options that are around right right now mm-hmm. you have these different organizations and they mean good and there's a fee attached to doing this mm-hmm. and not all there's some great ones but some make promises you do this i'll get you exposure we're going to play here we're going to these areas we're going to nevada we're going to arizona we're going here Uh, all these scouts come all these college people come professional baseball is representative we'll give you the options well those are doing there they're taking some kids away because in my day you played for your community your high school program in the summer they had their own team whether it was american legion baseball or county mac or something they still have that now but most of them are uh, a lot of them, if you're really the excelled athlete, will play on the club baseball level. You'll do yeah. these different types of things. And uh, I have a nonprofit now, we can get into later, and we sponsor fall baseball. We don't want it to interfere with what you're playing, another sport you're playing. You do that. Mm-hmm. If you're yeah. not and you want to be in, develop, in a development type of league in Centurion, we charge you a very reasonable fee. We mentor you. We talk, cancel you. We work with parents. We show you the process of how to get to colleges and in colleges. But a lot of the organizations don't do that. But Two weeks ago, on a Sunday, these parents were sitting in the stands and they were arguing. And they were saying, baseball at high school level is on its way out. It's all about club baseball now. Which is happening a little bit in basketball today. Oh, yeah. yeah. Basketball Check what time. basketball is doing now. The, the, ex- the exceptional high school basketball player may not be playing at his high school. Yeah, I know. He's they're, playing on a traveling basketball team. They're moving, hey. And they're moving around between high schools, too. And they go to different schools. Every <laughs> yeah. Day. More, yeah. School, uh, more athletes different, today transfer. Three different high schools. They'll play at three different high schools yeah. and do club ball. I mean, It's happening all the yeah. time. Yeah. In this community, it happens in this community, it but it happens in a lot of different communities. Yeah. I know yeah. soccer in the, in the community that we live in, um, it, it's all at the club level until i think you maybe even get to high school so mm-hmm. it I means it's it's it's, it's transitioning sports. from can the school the school's not being able to afford to have these athletic teams mm-hmm. to then there being a club level where like hey we as a club level can afford it but we can afford it because you're paying to play yeah yeah so yeah. that's really what it is and it's promises and commitments and what you do and the more you pay the more promises that are made mm-hmm. and there are a few good organizations out there but unfortunately there's some on the other side of it here there should be a correlation between other opportunities but work together with the high school coach yeah. work together with the community mm-hmm. don't get out there and make it so competitive that ours is better than yours yeah, yeah. that's don't what it's become comparison. that's what it's become yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, that'll do it for this particular episode. We're uh, we're gonna come back with another one with Coach G here, and yeah. we'll, we'll continue this on. But uh, Coach, it's been great having you on for this particular episode. We'll kick it back in on our next one. This has been fun. Look it's been fun. Let's let's do it again. Thank you. Yeah, look forward to it. All right, for the, this is Dave and Ben, and we'll uh, catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Peace out.